Hey. As Bill already said, my name is Regina Daniels, and I am one of the ASL professors, obviously. I wanted to tell you a little bit about who I am. Um, my parents, my mom is deaf, and my sister is deaf. My grandmother is deaf. And the thing that was really different about my family is that I grew up in the South. And those of you who know Southern values know that religious and spiritual values are important to us, and that was my family. I want to let you know also that I'm not really going to be preaching to you today. I have one verse that I want to share, but I want to share my testimony, my story, my journey with you. I want to let you know that, you know, in the Bible, Saul, he's obviously in the New Testament, and the life he lived when he was on the road to Damascus, and God turned his life around. Well, you know what? He changed my life around as well. As he was heading to Damascus, a bright light from heaven shone on him. And he couldn't see, and he fell to the ground. And that was kind of like me. God knocked me to the ground. And sometimes I feel like when I fell, I didn't know what was going on. It was dark. And I just thought I would share some of the darkness that I have experienced. For example, my mother grew up never learning sign language. And remember I told you she couldn't hear. She was deaf. She had to learn how to talk and how to read lips. She went to church every single week without an interpreter. My sister and I joined her there, but we didn't know what was going on. Every single Sunday, my mother was a very devout Catholic. But we didn't have an interpreter, so we just sat there, not knowing what was going on. Later, we were able to go to another church in our area where there were other deaf kids, and it was really nice, but they didn't have an interpreter either. So we sat in this little row and chatted. I didn't understand what the pastor was saying. I didn't know what the Bible was talking about. But my mother didn't care about that. She said, you must go to church and you must pray to him. I don't care if you understand him. He is God. So when he is preaching at you, you pray to him. And so that was kind of normal for us to go to church, but we didn't know what we were doing. So a friend of mine invited me to a deaf church for the first time, and they had a pastor who was actually deaf. And they actually signed. It was amazing. I finally understood. We had access to the word of God. They also had interpreters for the worship part of it. That's the church that we actually got our first communion. Remember, I told you I was growing up. I grew up Catholic. And we learned a lot about the Catholic Mass and things like that. That was, that was my experience growing up as a kid. School was another story altogether. I was in a mainstream program, which meant that all the students around me could hear. I was the only student that was deaf. The program that I attended didn't allow us to sign. We were forbidden from signing. So I had to learn how to talk, and I learned how to lip-read, and I had speech therapy every week. It was a horrible experience for me. My sister, on the other hand, is profoundly deaf, could not talk, so she attended a school for the deaf. 
It was so exciting for her. She would come home and tell me all about her experiences. It was wonderful. Everybody was signing and everything. And I said, I want to go there. So when the school had events, I would go. They would have a dance, I would go. They would have a party, I would go. It was a lot of fun. And I remember those experiences. Finally got approval, finally getting approval to go to a deaf school, leaving the mainstream setting. I was so excited, and yet I was overwhelmed. There were a lot of deaf people. Remember I told you I went to a school, I was the only deaf kid? Now everybody was deaf. Everybody was signing. Every day, everywhere. I couldn't believe it. It was a big learning curve for me, almost straight up. And I'll tell you, when I was going to the deaf school, one of the things that was really cool, they had a deaf church there. So I started to be able to study the Bible. We had group activities. We had things that I had access to. That was the first time in high school that I really understood that I could talk to the pastor and he could talk back to me. After I graduated high school, one of the things that I want to tell you is that I stopped going to church. I started traveling. I moved to DC and I decided I wanted to get my undergraduate degree. I didn't know what I wanted, but I chose something that probably should have led me in a better direction and I got in with the wrong crowd. I got involved with a dance company and theater and it was very active, but I didn't make good choices. I focused on my job and what I wanted to do, but I still didn't know exactly what the future would hold for me. I said, I gotta do something here. What am I gonna do? I got fed up, I moved to California. I moved there for the summer and things didn't work out. I went back to Pennsylvania for a while. Things didn't work out there either. I moved to Maryland for a while. And my older sister was talking to me at the time and she said, Regina, you need to settle down. You need to decide what you're gonna do. And I said, yeah, I guess I could finish my degree. So I went on and got my bachelor's degree in dance. I was later accepted in the University of Maryland. Finished school. And I, I knew that this was my vision, you know. I knew it wasn't his vision, it was my vision. It was my desire, my dreams. I got a little fed up, I moved again. I ended up in Chicago this time. Chicago is where my journey took a turn because I didn't know, life was unclear to me. I attended Columbia College, and I was studying performing arts management. I was involved in the theater company. I became an actress. I was in films and on TV. I worked three to four different jobs to support myself and to make ends meet. I had to pay rent, all of those things. I was barely making it. But I was doing what I wanted, following my dreams. But I wasn't happy. I was pretty miserable, to be honest with you. And I thought to myself, maybe I should move again. So I moved back to California. <laughs> and that's when my life really fell apart. If Chicago wasn't bad, California was worse. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with my life. And I'll be really honest with you, before I moved to California, my sister and my mom kept warning me, don't go to California, don't go to California. And I'm like, uh-huh, whatever. <laughs> and I listened, not. 
And there I was in California. They knew that my life was headed down a dark path, but I didn't listen to them. And sure enough, they were right. Give me a second. My sister started going to church at the same time that I moved out to California. And she would tell me about church, and I'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Can we talk about something else? She kept telling me that God had a plan, a purpose. And I'd be like, uh, I'm not interested. I'd brush it off. I, I, you know, I'd smile and nod and pretend like I understood and cared, but I didn't. And I kept asking her, why do I have to follow your religion? Why do I have to follow your beliefs? But at the same time, I started to see that my path that I was going down and my desires were killing me. You know, I, I brushed off the beliefs about Christ, but they were haunting me. It was dark. It was a really dark time. I was pretty much ready to give up. I had crawled into a black hole. I couldn't see what God had for me. I couldn't find a way to get out of California either. I had no other place to go. I was pretty much trapped there. I lived there for four years, and it was probably the four worst years of my life. It's funny, because when you think you have everything, you really have nothing. And that was a really hard time for me. The four years I was there, I was ready to completely give up. You could say that I thought that my life should be done. I didn't see value in my life. I didn't think other people appreciated me. I felt like in spite of the amount of work I was doing, no one cared, except for my mom and my sister. They knew I needed help. They knew that I needed to be pulled out of that dark hole. But I'd put on a smile and say, oh, everything is just fine. I had no motivation. My passions were evaporating. People around me began to notice that the joy that I used to have was gone. Oh yeah, I'd paint on the smile, but every day was a struggle. I think if you look at the life of Saul and the blindness he felt for three days was seen in the four years that I lived in California, I couldn't see what was going on. I couldn't see what was around me. I didn't know what was happening. But I knew something had to change. I said, you know what? I am going to make my life different. So I started praying. I didn't know how to pray, but I started praying. And I went to visit my sister during break, and she said, you're going to church. You are going to church with me and see what you think, okay? And so I said, all right. And we went to church, and they had an interpreter. And the pastor was up on the platform, and I was thinking, okay. You know, the interesting was, it was packed with deaf people. And when he began to preach, phrases and verses that he said, he said, that's me. I related to, it felt like he was talking to me. The interpreter was doing a great job, and I felt like I related to all of it. When church was over, my sister and I would sit down and chat. All week she talked about the things that we learned about at church. She would explain the word of God to me, what the verse meant and why, how it applied to my life. Because my understanding of scripture stunk. 
but through her explanations, I understood the word of God. And I began to reconnect with God and the pastor and the word of God. I was overwhelmed, let me tell you. I'll be honest with you. I was very overwhelmed. I was thrilled by the fact that I had time to go to church. But the sad part was I had to go home. I had to go back to California. But I had a vision, a goal, a plan. I knew I had to do something. So I had moved back to California, went back to California. And during the month of May, a university, a Christian university, not North Central, reached out to me for an interview. And I was very nervous, of course, but very excited. And they said, there are not a lot of black people at our university. And I said, okay. And they asked me if I was all right with that. And I said, eh, fine. I kept thinking to myself, what's the big deal? And they started asking about my spiritual life, how I practice my faith on a daily basis. Did I attend church? And I was very transparent with them. I said, yes, I have religious values and beliefs but my practice is not where I want it to be. And they said, that's okay. And they hung up the phone. It was a video phone, obviously. And they let me know the very next day that I was not qualified for the job because of my poor religious beliefs, because I didn't practice on a regular basis. I wasn't good enough for them. That hurt. I knew that I was new at this whole faith thing. It was a black mark on my mind and my heart. Maybe I wasn't black enough, hearing enough, not talented enough. And I kept asking myself, what am I good enough for? And then Bill Ross contacted me, again, for an interview. And I said, what's North Central University? I pulled it up on the website, another Christian university. <laughs> <laughs> and the mark that was from that other place was still pretty fresh. I reached out to my sister and my mother, and they replied immediately, do it, go for it. I said, okay. So I went through the interview process with Bill and Dr. Jewett. I was very honest about my relationship with Christ, about my upbringing, my limited but growing knowledge of the Word of God. And their biggest concern, they wanted to make sure that I felt comfortable as a black professor on our campus. And then I said, I'm used to it, I'm over that. <laughs> and so I was invited for a second interview. So I flew to North Central. I went for the interview process over a period of three days. And Bill Ross, he can tell you the details what that was like, whoa, three days, let me tell you. I was very nervous, obviously. I was very aware of the environment. I was waiting for the, the bad things to happen. I was waiting for it to all fall apart. I was waiting to hear, you're not quite good enough. You don't fit. And after the three days, I kept waiting for some black cloud. And I kept, where is it? Where is it? It never came. It never happened. Everything was flawless. And then I met President Hagen. To my surprise, when I first saw him, I said, wow, he looks just like the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> oh, 
but he's not. I know, he's the president of the university. <laughs> so we sat down, and we laughed, we chatted, and then he prayed for me. And then I met Vice President Tucker. I felt safe, I felt comfortable, and he prayed with me. And on the last day, Bill prayed with me. And he said, he asked me, point blank, how do you feel? And I said, I can see God moving in my life. And he said, I believe he's moving you here. And so I flew home, back to Maryland. And while I was here, over the three days, I pondered and pondered. But my sister told me that she had been praying for those three days. I have not stopped praying for you. And my mother said, I had a vision that I would be all right. And my mom is a very devout spiritual woman. So I wanted to tell you, this is it. I am here. I am home. Bill's crying, sorry. <laughs> Trying to get eye contact, he's crying. <laughs> Not helping. There. One of the things I wanted to add, even though my journey, um, it was really like a roller coaster, I'll be very transparent with you. I can understand how each and every one of you goes through your journey. We can all agree that every one of us has our rough parts, right? We're all the same. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how tall, short, fat, thin. One of the things I want to tell you is keep that hope in your heart. Yeah, you are going to get knocked down. Maybe the person next to you is going to support you. Maybe they won't. But I'm telling you, there are people here who care, who want to listen, who will listen to your story, who will pray about your story. And that's what Bill did for me. Those three days, I felt, even though I couldn't see, Bill was right next to me. And I kept, he said to me, he said, why are you resisting? Stop resisting. I was so afraid that I would do something wrong. In spite of my honesty, I was afraid that they would come back and say, you're not good enough somehow. And when Saul's eyes were opened, he realized he had to make a different life. And my eyes opened and I realized I have to be different too. I would follow this path. I would follow what my sister said. I would ignore the negative things that had gone on in my life. And I would listen and do the right thing. So as I wrap up, I want to pray. <laughs> Let me give them a little. Can you interpret? Um, Regina's going to pray. 
and I'll be really honest with you, public prayer is not her thing. She says, I'm learning to pray in my bedroom and in front of God. That's good. <laughs> with all these eyes, she's like a little bit afraid. She goes, no, I'm going to practice prayer. I'll practice praying in front of them today. Okay, so let's all be really supportive of your eyeballs and stare at her. <laughs> Dear Father, I want to thank you for bringing me today to North Central and the time that I've had here. When Brother Doug invited me to speak, and I do want to thank him on the side for asking me to speak. I wanted to share what you had brought me through so that every student would recognize that you don't have to live the perfect life. That you can leave the path but come back to the path because God is always with you. He sends his angels to watch over us. He is right next to you. He will give you everything you need to make it back. He will speak to you. Don't give up. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. One more thing. Um, if you want to talk with me and you're afraid to talk to me, please just come up to me. There are students here who are training to be interpreters. They'll interpret for you. If you don't think, well, I don't know sign language, I don't care. We will find a way to talk. We will find a way to communicate. Don't be shy. I'll be happy to pray with you. Amen? You're dismissed. Early. Look, look. She, early.